FAU football is back. 21-17 victory over the Charlotte 49ers. Willie Taggart has won his debut. We'll get into everything. Where was Malcolm Davidson? Uh, we'll kind of figure out how that went with him getting to the fourth quarter. Nick Tronti makes his debut as a starting quarterback. All in all, the champs are back. Welcome to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. As always, you can find the podcast account on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. You can find Five Reasons account on Twitter at the number Five Reasons Sports. I am Eric Henry, FIU beat writer for SB Nation, and I'm joined as always by all things FAU, specifically FAU recruiting, FAU Owls. And if you're not following him on Twitter, you should be at Marinelli Shane. Shane Marinelli, I know you were at the ball game, man. How's it feel? Football's back. It, it finally feels, you know, we got one more CUSA city that is holding out, and that's Rice, uh, excuse me, Houston and Rice. But football is back. Uh, it finally feels like football season's here now, right? Now the season started. Yeah. Once I was in the stadium, despite, you know, obviously there wasn't, you know, with the less of the crowd and all that. But then once the game started, football was football. And, you know, to sound kind of football guy-ish, but, you know, once you got the blocking and tackling, it, it all just felt right in the, in the very purity of it. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, there was, I know it wasn't what all the FAU fans were expecting. And I kind of, I'll talk about it a little bit, fell into that trap as well. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a lot of the things I said we thought we were before the season. Uh, and, you know, I think FAU fans just got to kind of get used to the adjustment. No doubt about it. I don't want to take away too much of Shane's steam. I did get a chance because FIU. Uh, there's a dollar that, 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 that wasn't a, that wasn't a, a, a catch. I didn't catch that one. I, I went to FI and then kind of like slurred into FA. So that I owe a dollar to the, uh, to the pot there. Um, FIU was off last week or the Saturday. So I had a chance to sit down and watch this game in entirety. I definitely had my own thoughts. Like I said, I won't take away too much of Shane's, th- uh, Shane's steam. I'll just kind of give my opening impressions. Uh, first things first, as someone who has, you know, been up close, as far as, you know, being a Tampa native and I saw the majority of the Willie Taggart, um, uh, Willie Taggart era at USF and quite frankly, the him, you know, rebuilding that program. I just would caution FAU fans, be patient, you know, and I understand we're in kind of the, the hot takey, you know, Twitter kind of, you know, football's back. We're all eager. Uh, don't hop off the Willie wagon after a half. Uh, if, I, if you watch that game, there was certainly reason when Charlotte went up 10, nothing to feel like, okay, this thing could get away from us. You know, it's a sloppy day. Rain's coming down. Doesn't look like we'll be able to do much. But it's just one of those things, especially in this year of COVID-19 and, you know, the start and stop of practice. Just hang in there. And it, things might not look as crisp as you would have liked them to. But don't go into the comparing Willie Taggart to Lane Kiffin. I saw a little bit of that on Twitter with, like, you know, kind of reminiscing for Lane after a half. You, you got to – like I said, and we talked about this. Shane and I talked about this in the offseason. Willie Taggart's offense and what they're going to try to do will look different from uh, you know previous years with Lane Kiffin. It'll look different from last year. That's because a lot of the players are different from last year, a lot of turnover. But just my overall impression was a good team win. I mean, Charlotte, that's a team that, and I don't know how Shane feels about this. We kind of talked about it off air a little bit. You know, they're not the most talented team in the world. They're, and this is no disrespect to Will Healy. There's a lot of smoke and I shouldn't say smoke and mirrors, but they're trying to throw a lot at you, trying to, you know, kind of um, manufacture offense. 
the defense actually looked better for Charlotte than I anticipated, uh, you know, especially the first half. But offensively speaking, Charlotte's doing a lot of weird kind of funky misdirection and, and things of that nature to kind of manufacture offense, play fakes and, and um, you know, kind of run the offense through Chris Reynolds. So you don't necessarily know what you have there, but they're a team that can definitely sneak up and beat you. And, and uh, it's good to see that in the end, and this is kind of the, the takeaway that I will send it to Shane on this one, is that, in my opinion, the more talented team won. Yes, uh, it took a while for FAU to catch their stride, but when you compare those two teams on the field, FAU has more talent than Charlotte, despite the fact of the turnover. Uh, and at the end of the day, FAU won. So I, like I said, don't want to Shane Steam. So Shane, just your impressions, opening thoughts from the win on Saturday. No, I just tell you kind of from the fan perspective that, you know, uh, it, it didn't start to rain really. We got lucky with the weather. Uh, it was like 80% all day. And it was actually pretty nice at the stadium until that last, uh, I think, five minutes it started to kind of deluge there on that last FAU drive but I can tell you as a fan I, I was in my raincoat I was standing didn't didn't leave from my seat with a few other people just getting poured on and it was kind of fun uh there was uh there wasn't a lot of close games in the Lane Kiffin era uh when we won we kind of blew teams out so there <laughs> I know with FAU fans there's still a lot of uh I guess past scars, especially the Charlie Partridge area era where it felt like we were going to lose that game. Uh, but you know, you're and we ended up winning and we talk about it, right? Uh, some people want to be critical out there of Willie Taggart, but let's talk about a couple things. That team played hard. They played discipline and they made halftime adjustments. And they also made adjustments on the fly when B.J. Emmons went down in the first drive, uh, you know, Malcolm Davidson, for unknown reasons, wasn't listed on the death chart, didn't play until the fourth quarter. That's maybe injury or, you know, it could be COVID-related. A lot of guys Tagger talked about had been in quarantine for like 14, 20 days. So, if you know, maybe he fell into that category where he wasn't practicing, you know, and getting reps. So, they made the adjustments and did what they did, had to do to grind out a win, which in the end is all that matters. And you beat a bowl, a bowl team from last year with an experienced quarterback and a coach that everyone considers is pretty good in the league. Right. So, you know, the fact you were able to just come away with the win. Uh, I think the biggest thing FAU fans really need to get used to is Nick Trani and Chris Robinson. It ain't close. <laughs> uh, and I think there was that's where a lot of the frustration was coming in that first half. Uh, there was a couple times, and people were getting on the play calling, and there was a couple times I was sitting up kind of high in the stadium. I like to sit up there. You could see everything as it happens. You could see the plays developing. Where he missed guys for easy first downs, you know, uh, that were open. Uh, there was a play I know FAU went for it. I believe it was their first or second drive. Uh, excuse me for not remembering exactly where they went for it on fourth and three and they ran uh, LeJonte Hester on kind of the uh, jet sweep play. Now, two things here. First thing is Lane Kiffin converted that jet sweep play a thousand times on third and fourth and short when he was here. Okay. So I, I don't get why, you know, uh, we did it. The fans were under we're mad. Someone on the left side, I don't know if it was a left tackle or the receiver. Someone didn't block their guy. That's what happened on that play. But on the third down before that, uh, Nick Tronti threw a deep pass out of bounds to TJ Chase, 
but he had Michael Irvin wide open for six yards, and it would have been a first. Michael Irvin would have caught it, turned around, probably fell forward for a couple more yards, and would have had a first down. Don't get mad at the play calling when those things aren't executed. Uh, so I, I just think it's really unfair uh, for that. And let's, let's do the big shout-out. Uh, Jim Levin, we talked about how good the assistants are, and any head coach will tell you as good as your, you're as good as your assistants. If you out there playing with a bunch of freshmen on defense – I mean, how good did that front seven play? Hey, Shane, really quick, you know, I, it's funny you you mentioned in terms of Jim Levitt. That's one of the things that I was going to kind of lead into in terms of if you look at this coaching staff, and that's one of the things that gave me comfort when I was watching the, uh, or I shouldn't say comfort, I don't have this level of rooting interest, but when I was watching the game, I, you never felt like that team is going to be out coached. If you're an FAU fan, I think there's a huge reason for optimism that your team is never going to be out coached. And I wanted to see what the transition would be like. We all know what Glenn Spencer is a defensive coordinator, but Jim Levitt, you know, say what you want about him in, in, uh, in other facets. And, you know, I, I won't, you know, dredge up all history, but as far as a defensive coach and a defensive coordinator, he, he's been excellent every single stop. Go back to Colorado and other stops. He's had, you know, linebackers coaching in the NFL, San Francisco, wherever. And his team's, uh, even in South Florida, his defensive teams were were very solid. So that was one of the things that I liked that, quite frankly, even though Charlotte went up 10 nothing early on, that was probably more of a product of offensive ineptitude than it was necessarily defensive play. And if you look at the numbers for Charlotte, I think Chris Reynolds went 24 for 32. You know, he got his 300 and something yards. That's going to happen. You know, when, when you have the amount of possessions that Charlotte had, I want to say it was something like, you know, nine possessions or 10 possessions. I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but uh you know Reynolds is gonna is gonna kind of uh Shane I'm sure you'll agree with this Reynolds <laughs> you look at the numbers at the end of the day and you're like how did he get 314 because he kind of just junks up everything you know like he's that guy on the playground if you're playing you know basketball who like somehow he ends up with 25 points but nothing of it nothing spectacular but that's what Chris Reynolds is so you know take that with a grain of salt and uh, it's once again, it's week one, as Shane said, playing or our FAU's week one and playing with a bunch of freshmen. I think that's key. Really quick. I want to read the quote. Uh, unfortunately, I do not have the reporter who asked it. I was given the, the quote by Kevin Felder. Uh, here's the quote on Malcolm Davidson. When Will, head coach Willie Taggart was asked uh, why Davidson came in late in the game, the quote is uh, exactly. And Shane, uh, I'll get your quick uh, POV on this. No reason at all. I saw him standing there and I didn't remember seeing him run the ball. I told him. Get over here. Let's get, let's get you in the game, buddy. We need you running the ball. Malcolm's a good football player for us, and he needs to be out there helping this football team. And he showed that. Told him, stop being so quiet. Yeah, I, 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 I quasi-believe that. I, I tend not to believe that uh, it, 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 there's the Disney movie element where uh, Malcolm Davidson, the guy that averaged over seven yards a carry <laughs> last year and nearly 1,000 yards despite missing a handful of games, uh, you know, was coming off the bench to save the team. Uh, there, there was definitely a reason, you know, he wasn't, and you know, maybe he wasn't unhealthy or, but again, I, you know, I don't want to assume, but it, it, I, I, uh, a bunch I, of players I, were out of practice the last few weeks. Okay. Really quick, I'll, 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 jump, I'll jump in for Shane really quick, just because I kind of put him in the position that whenever I do a radio spot and someone's asking me something that like, 
you don't necessarily just want to take off on the quote. So I'll do it for, or, you know, I'll do it representative of the yeah. Shula Bowl here. Uh, Willie Taggart didn't just look over and say, oh, Malcolm Davidson. Yeah. Oh, you haven't played today, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Jump in there. That, that, that's, yeah. Not, that's not quite how that happened. Go ahead, Shane. I'm sorry. I, I put you in the spot that I hate to get put in, so I, I figured I'd, uh, I'd jump in there really quick. Yeah. It, it, it actually, I don't know if he gave that quote twice. I wasn't on the poster. Uh, the press said, you know, Jack Whitty was on there. But he did, when he did that quote, he was on a radio show. He's been being interviewed by, um, no, I'm forgetting the name, on FBU's radio station 640 up here. Uh, and he was kind of laughing when he said it. So, you know, maybe it was an element of, um, you know, again, who knows what's going on in practice you know, the past few weeks and maybe, you know, that it feels ready to get, you know, get tons of carries yet. And, you know, they said, okay, it's the fourth quarter. We lost Emmons. Uh, you know, Emmons, I believe is also fine. He was walking around without his helmet. I believe it was just a kind of an ankle tweak. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect him to be out long-term, but it's not like he went back into the locker room and came out on a, you know, on crutches. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I, and they're probably like in the fourth quarter and they're like, Hey, we need a spark and get this guy in here at this point. Uh, despite everything, I, I will say my one criticism though, despite is, is I was a little confused on how the running back rotation went. It seemed like Larry McCammon would get some go and then they'd go away from him. You know, I, I know it's tough when you have four guys that are that talented, you, you, you can kind of be, uh, if you're too sporadic for them, they don't get in a rhythm and kind of grind it out. But, you know, I think that's something they'll kind of learn through the season. Jimmy, that's kind of a feel thing in a game. I want to ask you something really quick. Uh, I'm going to kind of give my background on, in terms of, you know, seeing Willie Taggart here at USF or in, in Tampa at USF. You didn't see t- a ton of two back formations. Uh, probably uh, that was probably a byproduct of the fact that, you know, you were going to run X amount of offense through Quentin Flowers, and, and it, you, you weren't going to muck that up with you know, having multiple backs in the backfield. I'm going to defer to your expertise here because I kind of have an idea, but I'd rather get the answer from you. Can you foresee a, a scenario where FAU is playing multiple backs, uh, kind of having formations similar to FIU where they run multiple backs at, at a time? And, and the second part of that question is, do the skill sets of those four backs kind of lend them to being able to have the formations where you can have multiple backs at a time? I can see them definitely using two backs, but I think the second part is more important. Uh, there's no FAU back is really kind of known to be a receiver. Lane didn't throw the ball to running backs at all in the system. That just wasn't their thing that, you know, it, it was notorious when motor came out that he only had like a handful of catches uh, in college. Right. Uh, so, it's it's not the thing, so I don't know if those guys kind of have those skill sets. Uh, you know, Emmons, uh, McCammon, and Davidson, to a degree, they're all kind of straightforward power guys that run fast. They're not kind of like these little third down, quote-unquote, your stereotypical third down back type. So I don't know how that they'd mix it, you know, kind of, to use those skill sets, but... Uh, I, they tried throwing to McCammon, I believe, a couple times the other day on a, a couple wheel routes. But yeah, I, I, but you know, hopefully they just got to figure out a way to you know get as many of these guys on the field as they can. Uh, but you know, also the thing with running back as well is, and we saw this last year with FAU is 
they ain't all going to be healthy the whole season. And you saw this last night. You saw that last year, like I just said. So, um, uh, you know, there won't be too many situations where you have all four kind of chomping at the bit every game. So touch on a couple quick points really quick before we uh, get ready to wind this one up. I know for me, and granted, Charlotte's offensive line is something that's kind of a bit of a, a, a revamp after losing Jalen Fisher to the NFL. Um, uh, excuse, excuse me, I, I knew I was going to freaking do that. They lost Cameron Clark to the NFL. Their center is still back. That would be Jalen Fisher. And uh, they got the big kid, the four-star recruit, who's playing uh, right tackle for them right now. He's still getting his feet wet. But I was very impressed by the FAU defensive line. A, they managed to shut down Trey Harbison pretty effectively. One of those things we talk about, and if you watch the game, with Charlotte, a, a lot of their offense, as I said earlier, it's generated in, in misdirection. It's kind of out of that pistol, pseudo, semi-kind of shotgun formation where, you know, you're kind of using Reynolds and, and Harbison and Aaron McAllister and some of those other guys to kind of um, fool the defense. And I was very impressed with the play of the defensive line. Of course, Leighton McCarthy, that's someone who I was very high on coming into the year. I, I He always struck me, Shane, this is just a casual observer of, uh, of FAU, obviously. You know, I, I'm a casual observer of all Conference USA teams covering the league. But I'll, he always kind of struck me as someone who was capable of, of being that, you know, I don't want to say he's going to be a Marcus Davenport uh, Alex Highsmith, um, Western Kentucky, D'Angelo Malone type, but he's definitely capable of being a, a upper echelon defensive lineman in, in Conference USA. And once again, while Charlotte's defensive, uh, Charlotte's offensive line is struggling, I, I was very impressed with him as well as the run defense overall. And hey, you know, let's give credit to Matt Hayball. I, I think he's a hell of a weapon to have FAU, and he flipped the field a couple times there. Um, you know, didn't have any uh, inside the twenty, but when that offense was backed up a little bit, he did a great job of flipping the, flipping the field for uh, the Owls. Uh, I let, yeah, let's, you know, I think what Leate McCarthy was a situation and he's somebody who's kind of grown. He's playing a lot. I know Lane some said last year, they want to get him to be more aggressive at times and kind of use his physical capabilities. He's been kind of that guy that's always on the fringe, good starter. And I think now it's just what I think the one, the defense schematically is perfect for him, right? It's, it's kind of a perfect fit to his skill set too. Uh, he's the guy now. There's no, there's no Keith Leroy. There's no Rashad Smith. There's no, you know, we've talked about FAU's defensive losses, and he's all of a sudden become like this one returner in this front full of, um, of super young defensive line. And it's like sometimes guys, when they get that situation, when they're not just, you know, the third or fourth best guy on the defense, and now they're the senior, you either kind of thrive or dying it. And he thrived three sacks yesterday. I mean, and then also his backup, Chris Jones, who was someone I said back in February would be an impactful player this year on 12 snaps in the game, had a sack and a half. That's, that's, uh, a, hell, that's a hell of a performance. Sorry. I, I got to jump in there. Yeah. I hope, I hope fans realize that's very good for 12 snaps. Yes. Yeah, so, so Chris Jones, true freshman at a coconut Creek. I went to his signing day. Um, you know, uh, a great kid. You know, had like a, one of those kids that had like a 5.8 GPA in high school, something crazy like that, or it was it was over well over 4.0. Um, he came in and made an impact, and you know, obviously, if that ginormous thing that was covering most of your screen, and uh, probably uh, from the guard to the other guard on the. UNCC uh, offensive line was Evan Anderson, who played 25 snaps at 355. So, but yeah, I mean, and, and there was one point where I mean, it wasn't even just 
true freshman. I mean, Adarius Moultrie was playing at linebacker. He was a freshman last year that tore his ACL and Caleb Bryce missed a couple series, or maybe they were just giving him a blow and he came in and made some tackles. Eddie Williams, who was a sophomore, um, had tackles, uh, you know, Chase Lannister, who's a guy who's been kind of just banged up his entire, he was a highly recruited kid, but he's just been injured his whole career. A lot of his career has been able to stay healthy, had a back issue, led the team in tackles yesterday. So, you know, uh, I, I don't think they were truly challenged um, on the boundaries wise. Obviously, Vic Tucker is an animal. They put Roman Smoke. They put Roman Smoke Mungin, a true sophomore cornerback, in some situations that were tough. You know, especially on that last drive, he was kind of manned up with Vic Tucker, <laughs> which is a big tough ass. Um, but, Vic, Vic Tucker is yeah. one of the best route runners in college football for a receiver. Just so, that, that's so the dick route he ran on that fourth and one or the fourth and three. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, I look, I looked to my friend. I said, Yeah, you can't really defend that. You don't get mad at that one. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. You just, you just okay. Kid made a play. So, um, yeah, it's uh, so you can't do really, but you know you know, as we kind of talked about, you know, FAU figured out a way, grinded it out and got a win, you know, and, and going before lane FAU, we've seen FAU lose that game so many times in the past. Um, I do want to ask you, Eric, and sure. I, I think you and I will agree on this. Did you agree with the decision to go for it on the, yeah. on FAU's final trap? No. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it's I, one of those yeah. things okay. where, and and I'm sure, you know, once again, you and I have kind of talked about this off air. I'm a huge fan of, you know, really setting the tone and having confidence in your offense. And that decision really struck me of those two things. And, and I, I just felt that, um, you know, it, I, I, unless there's it's very flagrant, Shane, like I'm naturally going to be in favor of going for it. So I, I, I did agree with that call. Yeah, I mean, just it, we'll go through the list of things on why you go for it. One, you've been gashing him on that drive, okay? Two, Willie did say after the game, you know, that he's told his team a bunch of times he, he's going to believe in them, and he did that thing. He gave them the chance. I believe in you guys. Go win this football game. Uh, also, it was deluging rain at that time. And granted, right. it would have been a short field goal, but college kickers, pouring rain, it's just – like you have disaster, right? Kind of written all over that, right? Like that, that I could just see, um, like the, the snapper bumbling in. I know they had some wet ball practices, but still it was pouring. It, you don't want to leave it. And then also that would have put us up by seven. Okay. I get it. But FE has been in situations after you lost to middle Tennessee, where a team, it, it, let's just say after you did kick the field goal, Charlotte does get the ball back. Maybe starts a little better field position has more time at the end of the game. They score. If he's lost a game where a team just said, Hey, let's go for two. Right. So right. It, 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 you, in the end, even if you tied that game, you're still kind of playing for the same thing, right? Like all the other scenarios that could have happened with Charles on that last drive. We're, we're still all available. If you tie, if you went up by exactly seven. Shane, want to get a two quick questions there before we go and uh, wrap it up, get out of here. One, 
Um, Nick Tronti, you know, making his his debut as a starter. Just want to, you know, kind of get your thoughts. Uh, don't have to be you know, anything crazy. It's kind of you know, your, your impressions of uh, what you saw, maybe what you liked, what you didn't like. I know for me personally, it, it's once again, I want to take the 10,000 foot view to quote Shane as far as Willie Taggart and quarterbacks. He is someone who naturally takes time. And I know fans will say, hey, that's why you have an entire offseason. But in this case, you didn't really have an entire offseason. He is someone who naturally takes time to kind of fill out his quarterbacks and know what exactly he wants to do with them. I remember in the early going with Quentin Flowers, the idea was just to kind of make him this, you know, option quarterback. And granted, he did run for a lot of yards, but people forget that Quentin Flowers threw for over 2,500 yards, I want to say each year. It might have been over 3,000 each year. So he kind of had to find that balance between letting him use his, uh, use his legs to scramble as a runner and use his legs to find the talent downfield. Down so I just would caution FAU fans to give Taggart, you know, as a former quarterback, a little bit of time to feel out Nick Tronti and see you know, kind of how he wants to de- uh, deploy him as a quarterback. And uh, that kind of be my takeaway. Shane, I want to get that from you really quick before we transition to Southern Miss. It- yeah, they're going to have to get creative, and they're going to find out what work and doesn't work. In the end, and and this is known. I mean, this isn't a knock on Nick Tronti, but he his, his he just doesn't have the arm talent. Okay, the release isn't as is quick. You know, some people will point out on Twitter he has to a little bit more effort goes into his fifteen his fifteen yard in route than you know. I hate making this comparison to Chris Robinson, so. You know, some of those one-on-one man throws that we'd see get hit down the sideline, he's just not going to make. So you're going to have to be a little bit more creative and that to figuring out how to kind of work all that in and what they like takes time. But you know what? Ever Again, it took a half, it, you know, for them to do it. They could easily said, hey, his first game and rolled over, lost that thing, you know, 16-6 yesterday, right? But it, they made a couple adjustments, and they got it going in the second half. Um, so it's, you know, credit to the coaching staff. Isn't that what you asked them to do? Like, let's go in. Like, th- that's my thing. Let's go in and make halftime adjustments and, and win the game. I, I, that's what we expect out of our coaches, and that's what they did. Yeah, you know, I think that's one of the things, and especially at the collegiate level. You know, I, I think that's something that you kind of expect. You know, th- there's teams around this state, for example, who I'm sure probably wish their coaches would make better halftime adjustments. But no, and all jokes aside, I, I think that's what you expect. You know, first game, still kind of filling out the guys, you know, the conditions, all things considered. So, you know, I will absolutely give kudos to Willie Taggart and his staff. And like I said earlier with Jim Levitt, you know, great job by him uh, on the defense. Shane, Southern Miss, you know, uh, Scotty Walden. Uh, I saw something on Twitter that, you know, Seth Littrell at North Texas getting paid $1.2 million and Scotty Walden's getting paid in like, you know, pilot bucks, you know, but yet uh, <laughs> Southern, Southern Miss was able to upset North Texas. Granted, North Texas can't stop anybody. They haven't been able to for a couple of years. That's why they brought a new defensive coordinator. But uh, Southern Miss, uh, I, the thing with them, just from, you know, my perspective uh, of covering the league is they really are going to go with whatever Jack Abraham and, and uh, Jones can get them. And outside of that, you know, they're good. They're going to live and die on that. Frank Gore Jr. Though the former FAU commit did have 125 yards on the ground. So it looks like they're finally establishing that, you know, if our running game is going to be, uh, have any semblance of a running game, it's going to be through Frank Gore Jr. Uh, given the opt-outs they've had there. So just, you know, what are a handful of things you're looking for, looking from, from FAU uh, in the game coming up against Southern Miss? Uh, the corners are going to get challenged a little bit more. 
They have a little bit more receivers. Uh, you know, Abraham's more of a natural passer. We'll talk about it. But Abraham is someone, and FAU was able to get, get a lot of pressure yesterday. Um, and Abraham's someone who can, he starts to maybe get a little flustered at times when you start to hit him and bang around. So kind of really looking forward, you know, to see how uh, Levitt draws it up and just see, if, you know, if they could continue the second half offensive momentum. Uh, this week. I will piggyback off Shane and definitely agree on the offensive momentum. Also definitely want to see how the defense, like you said, the corners match up because uh, it is very much going to ride on the right arm of Jack Abraham and Tim Jones, their receiver. Those are guys who, you know, Jack Abraham for all of the fanfare he has coming into the year. He's definitely a streaky guy. You know, once he gets going, he gets going, but once you rattle him, you know, things can fall apart. And I definitely would like to see, once again, as a casual observer, I'd like to see FAU, if they can jump on Southern Miss, just, you know, get a strong win because that's a team that's going through a lot of turmoil. And, uh, you know, that's been harped on a lot. But they've shown that once you jump on them, you know, they'll kind of fold. And I don't know if that's related to the talent they, uh, talent in terms of, you know, what they have left, given all the opt-outs, or that's just the mentality of the guys there. But I definitely like to see FAU jump on them early and, and, and put them away pretty uh, quickly and, and definitively. Yeah. So, but Hey, in the end, it's a win in the win and in the name and the honor of this podcast, the Shula bowl, the rivalry, we're one to know if I use <laughs> own one and that's all that matters. And that's what this podcast is all about. You know, we definitely want to get our guy, Mr. Handel. If you uh, follow him on Instagram or Twitter, he's been running around Disney world, enjoying the weekend with uh, FIU being off. So definitely look forward to getting his response and yeah, Hey, next week will be the first week in a very long time that both of these teams have had football games. FIU. Knock on wood. <laughs> knock, on, knock on wood. Damn right. Knock on wood. FIU. <laughs> home, home opener against Middle Tennessee State. Looking forward to hopping on Rick Stocksville's Zoom call bright and early tomorrow to 10 a.m. And uh, FAU, heading to Hattiesburg, take on Southern Miss. So thank you guys for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at five reasons sports you can find the podcast on twitter at shula bowl pod and you can find us online at shula bowl you can find shane on twitter at marinelli shane you can find me on twitter at eric c henry underscore thank you for listening and uh football's back baby <laughs>